Amen. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's great to have the choir here with us, singing beautifully at our backs. So thank you so much, choir. Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning and to, um, to um, have the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. I was hoping that um, somebody would um, call out during the Pick Your Own Hymn time, hymn number 345, um, tis the old ship of Zion, tis the old ship of Zion, tis the old ship of Zion, get on board, get on board. And that's the only thing I will say about basketball today. Um, Sorry, don't, don't, don't send me hate mail. Don't send me anonymous letters, please. Okay, all right, I love y'all. Um, uh, we had to have a moment of levity because our scripture for today is a little bit heavy. Um, as we enter these last couple weeks into the journey um, towards the cross and the empty tomb, um, we are following along with our children's Sunday school curriculum, and they're spreading out the stories of Holy Week over a couple of weeks um, to give our kids a chance to live into them. And so we are going to be journeying with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane um, in our scripture lesson today that comes from Matthew chapter 26. Um, this um, takes place, imagine um, Jesus has been at um, the dinner table um, celebrating the Passover meal with his friends. Um, and at that table, he has introduced the um, institution of Holy Communion um, um, and has predicted that Peter and, um, is going to deny him and others are going to go away from him. Um, and so now hear this reading from Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, Jesus threw himself on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want but what you want. Then Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, Jesus went away for the second time and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, Jesus came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, Jesus went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, it is hard to stay awake, especially in the midst of pain. Lord, we ask in this hour that you would help open our eyes to the pain and suffering um, that you faced and the pain and suffering of our world. And may the words of my mouth, and the thoughts and meditations of each and every heart. Be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength 
and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm always amazed whenever I travel um, and in a hotel about how all of the niceties of days gone by are observed. Um, right? It's, it's just it's the little things. It's the little touches. Um, and yet, there are some things in a hotel room that I have never used in my entire life. Um, a luggage rack. Do you use this? Okay, y- y'all are nodding your heads. I used a luggage rack for like the first time the other day, and, um, and I realized, oh, this is here from like after like y- we are entering into, you know, the twilight years of our lives, which uh, I hope is not age 35, but like my back while bending over seems to suggest that it is. But um, if you use the luggage rack, you don't have to throw out your back. It's so nice. It's a nice little touch. Um, or the ice bucket, right? I have never used an ice bucket. Doug says that Tara fills up the ice bucket at every hotel they go to. And yet, I'm like, do we need to do an ice bucket challenge? Why is this here? Um, I'll just put my ice in my cup. I'm just one person. Um, and the, the most wonderful little personal touch of them all, the wake-up call, right? I, I wonder sometimes, why do we still do this? Like, there is a weird alarm clock that I can set to wake me up. It will beep. You know, it will beep. You will not be able to turn it off. It will wake you up. It will wake everyone on the entire floor of the hotel up. And if you can't figure out the alarm, then don't we have a tiny internet machine in our pocket that can be programmed to go off at 5 o'clock and 5.15? and 5.30, and 5.45, and 7 o'clock, and then a last one at 8 o'clock that says, get up, dummy, your airplane is about to take off in five minutes. Why do we need a wake-up call? And yet, sometimes I call in and I just ask for it. You know, it's, 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 it's a nice little reassurance. Uh, one time recently, I called and they had an automated wake-up call, and I thought if I wanted an automated wake-up call, I could just set my alarm clock, right? But there's something about, there's something comforting about having a person at the other end of the line who is responsible, who is awake with you at the ungodly hour at this weird hotel near Washington Dulles Airport. There's something nice about having a person that's right there taking care of you, isn't it? Sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus gives his, um, his disciples a wake-up call. First, he doesn't give them a wake-up call. First, he gives them a, please don't fall asleep. Sit here with me. Sleeping is something that I have never quite figured out, right? I mean, I know how to do it, although it's funny that we have to sleep train babies so that they will be able to kind of self-soothe and sleep through the night. But have you ever thought um, about how weird it is that Ideally, we spend a third of our lives very vulnerable and unconscious. If not, why don't you think about it tonight while you're going to sleep? Um, it's, it's strange. Um, I'm just sitting here in a state that almost looks like the state that I'll return to when I go on to be with God, right? It's, 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 it's weird. It's strange. It's uncomfortable. And yet, there's something so very human about it. There's something that says, I'm a human being. And so three times a day or more, if you are stressed, you need sustenance. You need food. And not just cheesy snack mix, but vegetables. 
You need water. You need sleep. There's something so human about this story from the Gospels that we read today. I um, always read this story as Jesus kind of slapping their hand. Um, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so why don't you just overcome your messy human bodies and your messy human needs and, and, and just get over it, y'all? I always, th- I always wonder and think it was beautiful that um, the, writers, the, um, the writers of the Bible and the compilers of the Bible thought it was worth it to keep this story in there. This story that um, even though we believe that Jesus is fully human and fully divine, shows Jesus wrestling with what is going to come ahead. It says that he threw himself on the ground. When was the last time you threw yourself on the ground? There's something so desperate about this. You know, a kid having a tantrum or somebody saying, I will do anything so that, that, I, that I don't have to go through this pain or this suffering. Jesus is so divine here, and yet he is so human. And yet, I don't really think that much about the disciples, that Jesus could have just asked them to chill out in the upper room. They've had um, a nice Passover dinner. They have had roasted lamb or deep-fried lamb or whatever was the best way to cook lamb. They've had um, um, celebrated and heard the stories and drunk more than one glass of wine, as is the tradition at the Passover feast. And so Jesus takes these three guys that are either his best friends or the remedial students in the class um, with him to the garden to be with him while he prays. Why? Why have them there? What is Jesus teaching them? What is Jesus telling them? Or what does Jesus need from them? It's very human connection. I love that Jesus does not tell these disciples, stay awake for, like, to do something. He tells them to watch and to pray. But um, so often, if we are going to pull an all-nighter, we do it for a reason. It's to feed the crying baby or to, um, or to change them in the middle of the night. It's to um, work the graveyard shift. It's to pull the all-nighter and drink seven cups of, of um, coffee while you write a paper on the Puritans. Um, there's a reason for why we stay up. And yet, I think one of the most beautiful um, things about this story is that it shows how we need each other, how, how the simple power of presence, the power of proximity, as I heard recently, um, can change everything for us. Um, do you, have you ever had a child who woke up from a nightmare, or maybe you were babysitting or had a niece or a nephew who woke up from a nightmare? Um, it was so real. And you're like, I cannot do anything to fix this for you. I wish I could. You can't really even do anything to change them. But, but the child says, can you just stay here? Can you just sit here in the chair with me while I fall asleep? And I'll be okay. I don't think we lose that as we get older, do we? There are seasons in every one of our lives. If you haven't gotten there, then you will eventually, and probably more than once, in which you need somebody to say, I don't want you to fix me. I don't want you to give me advice. I don't want you to tell me to have faith, because that usually presumes that I don't have it already. I just need you to sit here, and I need you to not look away while I hurt. 
I um, am in the stage of my life in which my friends um, are having parents and grandparents who are suffering with Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, and I think the hardest thing that I can imagine for somebody I know, and I know a lot of us in this room um, have, been, have been there. The hardest thing is sitting with somebody who gradually forgets who you are or even that you're related to them. To have to explain over and over and over. And yet, I can't imagine any, more, any love that is more powerful than my friends sitting with somebody, sometimes who is agitated or thinks that they're trying to harm them, sitting there and loving them day in and day out. Stay awake with me, Jesus says. There's this saying that when people train to become chaplains, either military chaplains or hospital chaplains, um, and sometimes pastors go through it too, so they can teach us how to say things that aren't rude and insensitive and dumb, honestly. Um, and and the, the training is, they say, you don't have to have all the answers. You just got to be the calmest person in the room. It doesn't really work if you're freaking out and the person that is, um, you know, is going through their chemotherapy is trying to comfort you. That's not the impression we're going for. Um, the calmest person in the room. And yet, for the disciples, who this is their rabbi, this is their teacher, the one that they believe is the one God has sent to be the anointed one. Here he is saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. Laying on the ground, Jesus says, I am grieved and agitated. Jesus is not the calmest person in the garden. And we want Jesus to be the calmest person in the universe. I love that this story is in our Bible for lots of reasons. One is that um, it tells me a little bit something about what the meaning of Lent is and maybe what God calls us to. Lent, we go through every year and we kind of go through the motions in the best of ways. We go through the motions of grief and suffering and we learn how to be companions with Jesus. Because scripture tells us that we are called to be companions of people who are suffering, people who are hungry or lonely or sick, people who are going through abuse or divorce or addiction, people who the Bible calls the least of these and every Every one of us at some time in our life will feel like we are the very least, won't we? And yet, Lent tells us, keep your eyes open. Keep awake with Jesus. Stay awake even when it hurts. Don't look away. Our um, church, as other churches do, have a program called Stephen Ministry. And um, the Stephen Minister shared, a nationwide Stephen Minister shared a graphic that kind of tells us how we can stay awake with people, how we can practice that power of proximity, how we can sit and say, I love you, I am here, and I am not afraid of your pain. Um, there are certain things that we say, right, because we mean well. We want this person is hurting, and we say, don't cry. Um, we say, keep a stiff upper lip. It's for the best. I know how you feel. God won't give you more than you can handle. It's God's will. You should do blank. You'll get over this soon. Or it's fine. It'll be fine. I have said all of those things 
right? And yet, Stephen Ministry gave me a nice little wake-up call lately, and, um, and they offered some alternatives in this graphic. They said, instead of some of these, maybe we can say these things to keep awake and to be companions to our friends who are suffering. Say something like, I can see you're hurting. That's really hard. How are you really feeling? You can tell me. Can I pray for you? I'm so sorry that happened. I don't know what to say. How can I help? And the best of all, I'm here for you. Don't say nothing, the Stephen ministry seems to say. Don't look away. Sit there. Sit there and practice the power of proximity. I think sometimes as Christians, um, there is this tendency to feel like we need to stay awake all the time. Uh, or you have to be 100% informed about 100% of issues to fix everything and fix everyone. And yet, what Jesus says here is not, um, not fix it all. He doesn't tell the disciples, stop my crucifixion, get in the way of this. Jesus says, stay awake and keep watch with me. And so I wonder this week how we are being called not necessarily to fix the entirety of the world's problems, but to stay awake with the people that we are with, the people that come across our paths every day, the people that love us, and the people whom we love. Um, I was um, yesterday at, um, at an event um, uh, in which one of our church members um, was speaking at TEDx Airly, Cliff Ray, who gave his testimony um, during um, August, uh, a couple of years ago, if not last year. Um, Cliff has this um, surfboard company, uh, but it's not surfboards for surfers. It's surfboards, paddleboards for um, rescue, water rescue folks and lifeguards. Um, and uh, Cliff said he was talking about the power, the life-saving power of listening. And he says, I have to listen and be aware uh, when these lifeguards, whether they're on the North Shore of Oahu or whether they're at Mission Beach in San Diego or whether they're right here in Wrightsville Beach. I've got to listen to what they say they need and, and the horrible stories that they have experienced so I can build a better board so they can save lives. That was pretty awesome. For him, it was a wake-up call. But the wake-up call for me that was a really cool God moment came when a doctor came um, to speak. His name was Dr. William Skip Johnstone. Um, and he is an OBGYN. He delivers babies and walks with women through um, pregnancy and childbirth. Um, and he talked about, you know, he is not a fancy speaker from New York. He's not from Paris. He's not from San Francisco. He's from Wilson and practiced medicine in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And before he came here to practice medicine at New Hanover Regional Medical Center. And he said, I was delivering babies and I was, you know, watching over women and women's health. And I um, one day came across a patient who had complications with her heart due to using opioids. He said, about five years before, about five days before, about five minutes before I encountered this patient, I would have had a whole lot of feelings about this. How could you endanger your life and the life of your child? He said, I would have been pretty, pretty, pretty judgy. And he said, and through that situation of working through um, her medical care, and working with other women like her, he said, I have made a change. I realized I had to change because the way we were dealing with this epidemic wasn't working. And he goes, and I wanted to see what worked. 
And so we went to Chapel Hill to, um, um, uh, to see someone who had put together a program over 27 years of how to effectively treat women and babies with opioid use disorder, as he called it. He said, I didn't have 27 years. These mamas don't have 27 years. The babies don't have 27 years. And Wilmington, North Carolina doesn't have 27 years. So we need to do this fast. Um, and so Dr. Johnstone helped work with some other folks, including women who suffered from opioid use disorder, to develop a nonprofit called The Tides, which is working here in Wilmington to treat mothers and babies to effectively help them get their lives back. But the interesting thing he said was, I had to change. He said, I spoke about people like they are addicts, like they are criminals, et cetera. And he said, I started making this simple change. I started saying, these are people suffering from opioid use disorder, which needs to be treated as a disease. It was his wake-up call. And the really cool God moment is that um, I had learned about the tides just a few weeks earlier at one of our outreach committee meetings in which they had said that this year, our Sun Run, um, one of the recipients for that will be the tides. Um, for our Run for Recovery Walk for Wellness. Um, and so we, as a church, are going to have a chance to be involved with that as well. It was his wake-up call. I wonder what your wake-up call is, where Jesus is asking, stay awake with me. Stay awake with me. Don't look away. Don't be afraid of my pain. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now I invite you to sing with me hymn number 314. Let us rise and sing together. <laughs>